accepting a role as like a sports performance coach has helped me so much in many other aspects of my life. Um, before, you know, being at 440, I was extremely shy. Um, my first two years of college, I always sat in the back of the class and um, didn't really put myself out there and just kind of stayed to my uh, lacrosse teammates. And I think even going into that internship, I was still a little bit, you know, to myself. And now, you know, um, I feel like I'm an extremely confident person. I, I take the lead on like every session I can. And if I'm not, I'm helping Jacob, you know, run a session. Um, we're always, you know, um, getting, we look forward to like sessions with like 20, 30 kids because we demand like the respect and the, uh, the buy-in. Um, but we'll talk about that more later, but. Hey everybody, Alex here from Ellison Performance and we're coming back with episode three of our podcast series. This is the first one that is like technically a podcast and everything we do is in person. Uh, today's topic is just going to be the art of coaching and uh, everything I've learned as well as our guest has learned throughout uh, their coaching experience and how coaching can benefit you in many, uh, in many different aspects of life beyond you know coaching. So uh, for future endeavors, future career opportunities and just future um, just growth in your character arc. So uh, we have five main topics today. We already recorded this yesterday, by the way. We got through 45 minutes of this with Jacob, uh, my one coworker at 440. And we realized that I was screen recording the screen and it didn't record the audio. So uh, this is, I guess, round two. But yeah, so for today, uh, we have special guest, Evan Gillentine, uh, one of my good buddies that we go way back to the internship at 440. Um, he's currently down at the University of Florida in their exercise physiology master's program and I know he's taken out a lot of classes there so we'll have him talk about that but uh, real quick if you want to introduce yourself uh, we'll let you talk and tell your whole spiel and what you've uh, kind of experienced since being at Florida so yeah yeah so uh, like Alex said my name is Evan Gillentine I am a master's student at the University of Florida studying applied physiology kinesiology it's like always the same thing but they always have some fancy name for it um Want to get my master's first my long-term goal is physical therapy so looking at that down the line but kind of keeping everything open seeing where this program can go to but really mainly looking for pt along the lines um we can uh, dive in we can kind of skip around with the uh, chapters we can go right into like grad school and stuff if you want to talk about that yeah we can so both of us are uh you're are you not are you done yet technically or you still have a couple of things to do I have like six days left. I just have finals. Like all my classes okay. are done. I just have finals. Um, okay. So yeah, me and Evan, it's our first semester in grad school. So we have a pretty unique perspective on how it's differed from undergrad, some of the things we learned, and then some main topics we've learned in e each of our classes. I've only taken one class this year, but I finished on Thursday. So two days ago, um, the physiology and implications of aging, which was a very unique course, which actually sparked my interest a lot because I do work with a lot of geriatric population people at the clinic um but yeah i know uh, evan's in a lot of classes for his grad school so we'll let him kind of take the stage and talk about um some things he's learned how it's been different from undergrad as well as um one thing or two things you know specifically that he's learned in terms of his curriculum so uh yeah you could take the stage real quick and just kind of sure. that. yeah so one thing difference i'd like to like point out between undergrad and grad school is that uh, undergrad is not as much work as grad school. Grad school is more work, and it's weird because you take more classes per semester in undergrad, 
in grad school, I took three classes and I felt like I've done more in those three classes than I have in a whole semester. I've taken five classes in undergrad. There's just always an extra paper you have to write and there's just more busy work to do on top of like normal schoolwork learning. Also, you dive into more specific grand schemes of knowledge. You're not, in undergrad, I had to take, I was an exercise science major. I had to take architecture, understanding architecture. And it's like, why? So there's not as much as that in grad school. You get more specific to what your kind of your field is, which is really nice. Um, the classes I've taken this semester were kinetic anatomy. So it's your body and your muscle, how it moves in like planes of motion and stuff. It's pretty cool. I had to take sport nutrition, which is, it's interesting, but it's not like my forte. Nutrition is such a huge complicated gray area that it's just hard to explain everything, what's going on with that. And then I took tactical strength conditioning. So it's like working with like, any kind of uh, military personnel, any law enforcement, firefighters, they kind of require different training than say like an athlete population would because, you know, they're always on call. Like their sport is like their job and their occupation. And like, it's it's a life or death situation versus the uh, athlete. It's just a game, you know, it comes mm-hmm. down to the game or a championship playoff, kind of like that. But so it's just kind of cool to like recap on like athletes versus like their tactical athletes is what they call them. And uh, it was a pretty cool class. And uh, as far as UF goes as a whole, weather, great. You know, Florida weather, can't beat it. I would say the program here is really good. Um, I know uh, they, uh, they're they like a top, like as far as public schools, I think we're top five in the country for public schools. So like, I didn't know that going in. I was like, oh, that's, I mean, that'll be pretty good. So yeah, yeah. Uh, education's good. My best experience thus far is I got to go to an NSCA conference in Sarasota where they had, uh, I was at the IMG Academy. So if you don't know what that is, it's like probably the best recruit school in the country. The kids go there. All they do is eat, sleep, train, and play their sport year round, all day long. Costs a kid maybe 84 grand a year and some change just to go there a year. And it's it's high level. It's next up. Their facility looks like a D, some D1 schools don't even have a facility that nice. It's insanely nice. I learned a lot of stuff and uh, it's a really cool experience. And plus, it's nice to just be that close from like those big areas in Florida. But IMG Academy, if you don't know, I'd look into it. It's really cool just to check out, see what they kind of do. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like you've learned a lot since being there. Um, that's great because, um, you know, in our undergrads, we both, you know, did pretty well and stuff, but it wasn't as hands on or in depth. So I'm glad, you know. Um, we've gotten done with our like pre, I, I don't even know what to say, like our courses we had to take, our prereqs before we had to uh, hop into our like our, our major and stuff. So now it's just like a specific stuff that we're like really into. Um, and yeah, for me, I just finished my last class or last day of my class on Thursday um, at Kent State University. It's been a pretty solid adjustment I would say coming from Mountain Union because Mountain Union is a very small school Kent State's huge um fortunately or unfortunately however you want to look at it my class only has 10 students in it and I believe I'm one of the only um master's kids in the class uh majority like seven or eight of the students and there are doctoral students who are pursuing or almost done with their PhD um so you know Going into that class, I was a little skeptical about how I would fit in, um, but I had a really great experience and I learned a lot from those um, those peers that I had that were much older and much more you know, experienced than I was. Um, like I mentioned before, uh, I took the physiology of aging 
And uh, it's a direct correlation in my line of work at the moment, working at the clinic. I work with basically all geriatric population people who have, you know, history of comorbidities like heart disease, um, atherosclerosis, uh, diabetes, high blood pressure. They might have a hip replacement, knee replacement, shoulder replacement. So like all that kind of stuff going into it with a sports performance background helped, but it wasn't putting me in the most elite situation just because, you know, um, I'm used to working with like 15 to 20 year old kids. Um, so this class has definitely helped me kind of grow my knowledge and understand what happens throughout the aging process. Um, so how my class was set up was a um, about hour and a half, two hour lecture um, and a specific topic for the week. So like one week we worked on posture and balance. The other week we worked on um, the cardiovascular health of the geriatric population. Then we worked around uh, like sarcopenia, sarcopenia and muscular strength as you age. And then we looked at like bone mineral density and all that kind of stuff. And each class you have that two hour lecture and then you have an hour and a half of lab. So every single week that I went to school, I was getting hands-on work in the specific things that I was learning, which in undergrad, you never really did unless you had a actual lab. This was just built into the class. So I thought it was a really unique opportunity. You know, as soon as I learned something, I was able to try it out and, you know, see, um, kind of how it worked and how everything compared from our data to like the geriatric data. So um, one of the things that really stuck stood out to me was you've been in the Kent lab. They have that little, um, not little, that big machine that you stand on. It measures like the sway. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah, we, had yeah. to, we had to do that. And then we did it with our eyes closed, a bilateral, unilateral, and then unilateral um, on the foam block. And it measured our sway, which is really unique to, compared to like Parkinson's patients who have really um, poor proprioception and balance. Um, so yeah, I learned a lot this semester. I'm glad you did too. So I think that kind of wraps up our uh, grad school talk. Right. Yeah, I just want to say too, it is pretty cool of an opportunity for you to be in a class with PhD students. I haven't, don't think I get that opportunity because there's so many grad students in general for our master's program. I think there's like 3000 kids in just my master's program. That's insane. And yeah, there's a lot of kids and uh, it's cool that you get to see their insight because they've already been in your shoes and they just, it's crazy to watch how like, no, like when you ask them a question, they give you so much knowledge about that question. It's just, you're overwhelmed. You always forgot what the question was, which is pretty cool that like, they know that much. It's cool to like have that insight with them. Yeah. Um, so going into the next topic, we already touched on this yesterday, but we'll go into it. Um, what would you rather start with? Why everybody should coach or the biggest lessons that we have learned from coaching? I think we'll go from the biggest lessons we've learned from coaching and then cipher that into why everybody should coach. So uh, just to put some background info into the discussion, Evan and I started our internship at 440 the exact same day um, in the summer of 2021, correct? Yep. yep. So, so I'm going to my senior year then. Didn't know what to expect. I've only heard great things, you know, about 440 throughout like friends, family members and all that kind of stuff. Super scared to get there. We were both, you know, like deer in the headlights first day there. And um, now, you know, we're pursuing our careers, pursuing our further education. I think we both grow, uh, have grown a lot as um, coaches. So just go through what uh, it was like your first couple of days at 440 um, and like in your current role. In your current situation, um, what 
you've kind of transformed your coaching style into. And then from there, we'll ask a few more questions around that. So, right. Yeah. I say the start, it was like extremely like awkward for the first few days. Cause I didn't know, like, I felt like you didn't have that confidence just to go up to kids and say like, Hey, you know, like I'm, you know, an intern, I'm going to be here. Cause they didn't know who you were. So they already weren't kind of really give you the benefit of any attention or anything. And yeah. then it's trying to like, whittle your way in there, get to know people a little bit more, get to know where you, what you can say and what you kind of can't say. And I uh, trying to figure all that out. It, I, that probably took us like two weeks. I know like the first three, four days, we really just kind of stood there and like observed everything, helped out very minimally. But then I'd say by, after two weeks in, we were like, hey, can we take over? And we were like, we were running, like we were on the show for the PL1s. So yeah. that was really cool. Um, The biggest lesson I learned from doing that is like, being patient and just keep going like you know that experience is how it's you're going to get better and not just you can read you can't just read it in the textbook even anything related to the like the cscs any of those tests you take you can read the book you can memorize the book you go to coach that that's completely that's a different war that's a different battle it's hard to like just like comprehend like coaching and like making sure the kids are doing things like correctly and everything and how to say it mm -hmm. that's like the biggest problems but it was a uh Definitely a good experience. We got to I got to enjoy who I was being around. You know, everyone at 440 is super cool, super smart, knowledgeable. They can you can go to them for anything, even stuff outside of 440, which is really cool. There was there for you, which was really cool, and that was probably the biggest part that when I was at 440. Yeah. So um, yeah, my first day there, I was extremely nervous. You know, we walked through the door. I, I got mentioned yesterday when we talked about this. I didn't even know you were an intern. I just knew uh, Chris Graver was an intern. So I knew that he was going to be there. And then you were there. I was like, oh, God, I got another person I got to compete against, you know. Because I didn't know going the first day. I thought they'd, you know, make us all go against each other, which you never felt like that. It, ever felt, and it always felt like we were kind of building off each other's energy. It's a team, yeah. Yeah, and uh, to this day, I think I have improved so much um as a coach my end goal is not to be a coach which is fine but I think yeah I think just as a whole coaching has helped me with like a lot of confidence and a lot of um my demeanor how I carry myself you know even in public now um when I see people I'm like hey how you doing like just a random people and stuff and I feel like I would have never done that without being in this position um and even like at the clinic like my job um, besides, you know, doing exercise prescriptions and health appraisals is I have to build relationships with the people that um, are in there, like getting rehab and like trying to lose weight because that's a very, you know, sensitive thing for them with a lot of them having like prior health issues or scared of, you know, improving um, because they, they know how much work it's going to take. So like building those relationships is like key. And I think I'm in a much better position to um, do that now. And lastly, um, I think even like my business too, like I would have never thought about doing that or putting myself out there because I cared so much what people thought of me. And now, like, I mean, I get shit all the time at 440 from like these little kids and stuff. And you just got to learn how to brush it off. So like now I just don't care what people think about me. And it's helped me a lot in my professional career. I feel like um, the whole performance realm or even just being a coach in general, I feel like, um, I mean, even when I interviewed for the clinic, she asked me what was a situation I've been in where I've had to deal with a problem or a chaotic environment. I was like, boom, just like that. Like I knew, cause we've gone through hundreds of different scenarios of being in the fire because that's what happened at 440. They said they weren't going to throw us in the fire. Um, and they really didn't, but like they needed us right away. So we were like within the first week, we were, uh, you know, playing a big role in helping create ideas and just kind of demonstrating drills and stuff. So 
Yeah, I mean, um, that's pretty much everything from topic two. Okay, last thing about topic two. Uh, what is one strong point and weak point of your coaching style? And then we'll move on, and I'll go to. Right, yeah. So, remember I was rattling it off yesterday. I said, um, I see my biggest strong suit is, like, trying to stay positive, having, like, that high energy. Because if you're just kind of like, all right, guys, we're going to do, like, I don't know, this today. And you just don't sound like you're into it. Like, you got to, like, hype up the kids. You got to get them, like, make sure, like, make them excited to do, like, be there and perform well and stuff like that. Let them know when they do stuff good. You know, they want to hear that. They don't want to hear you say, oh, he did this wrong. Oh, and you got to do this wrong. And you keep bringing them down. And it's just going to be like, okay, I don't even want to do this anymore. So I'd say the good thing is staying positive with everything you're doing. And then a downside negative, something I got to work on is maybe making some points clearer to kids. Because as of right now, I'm coaching toddlers. Mm-hmm. And in sense, I've worked with kids as young as 18 months old and as old as like 11. That's usually the range at work. And a, a little kid really doesn't know what you're going to say. It's like, you got to use like few words and they have to be like easy, you know, very easy words, which help me kind of, if I can say that to a little kid, I can help someone that's older who knows more words even for them, but it's just hard to break down those words and just make everything as simple as possible. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I agree with your strong point. You always have the energy in the room and everything like that. So um yeah, so for myself, I think my strong point or points is um, I, I have, I feel like, a natural good coaching voice. I can project through the room and get everyone's attention, but I try not to be, like, a hard-ass when I'm coaching. Uh, I think I most people can agree at 440 that when I do coach, it's more of a relationship-based um, approach. Like, everyone knows me and, like, really appreciates me, and they, like, respect me because of that. It's not because I'm yelling at them all the time. But you know, they know that when, you know, I say, all right, everybody get ready. Like, like, it's like that we have to get ready and, you know, perform. I expect the best out of all of them. So like the other day we had a session where we combined two different age groups and my older guys, you know, we were bought, they were bought in they knew what I was expecting. And uh, there was a younger group that doesn't work with me as much because they work with some of the other, the newer coaches. And they were mixed in my group and right away they were dicking around and, you know, not putting an effort in. And that's because they don't work with me often. So, um, I mean, I think that's one of my strong points is just like projecting confidence um, into the room when I am coaching as well as my creativity um, with like, I bring a lot of different business ideas to um, 440. And um, I think I, me and Jacob are both really creative with our drills because we have not used like the same drill in months, um, usually just a variation or a completely different concept. And then for my weak points, um, what I said, oh, yesterday I said I need to be more sympathetic towards some of the kids um, because you never know what they're going through. But like when kids are just like moping around and being soft about like how the turf is like hard and rough, I literally tell them to suck it up. And (laughs) I mean, like, and another thing I talked to Jacob about this yesterday is when I am leading a session, everyone, you know, knows me. I always ask them about their day, how they're doing, everything like that. But some of the new kids, I need to do better at, like, approaching them. Be like, hey, I'm Coach Alex. Like, welcome to uh, 440, everything like that. I don't do a good job of, like, reaching out to new kids because I'm usually, like, focused on the 20 kids I do know in the session and, like, making sure it's, like, running smoothly. And then, secondly, um, I think I need to do better at finishing a task 
adequately before I move on. Um, Cause at 440 right now, I have like 20 different business ideas I propose and I've got the green light on a lot of them. And I'm just like chipping away at like a, a vast majority of little things where I just need to focus on one thing and kind of finish it before I move on to something else. Um, but yeah, that's about it for the coaching aspect. Um, just to kind of tie in, we'll go into uh, the first topic, which was why everybody should coach. I just published a newsletter yesterday talking about the three pillars of coaching. We'll kind of touch on that. Um, so the first one I had was um, what I have uh, building relationships. That's something that will, you know, help you for the rest of your life. Right. You can learn from coaching. Um what I have, I had building relationships, problem solving, and then adapting and improvising. So all three of those are extreme assets to have when you are coaching and then um, how they kind of improve the rest of your life in terms of like future jobs, future relationships, as well as like just future anything. So um, we'll start with the first one talking about problem solving. So how would you say or say one moment you know where you had to problem solve in your coaching career and how valuable you think that is to being a good coach yeah I would just say like like that like adapting right on the fly like there's times where maybe something doesn't go well or you just find out oh you're getting these group of kids and this is going to happen and oh this because when I work right now there's a tv screen you have a remote and you have to do everything that's on the tv screen and Sometimes the TV goes out. You just got to like, you got to adapt. You got to go with the fly. You can't just tend to go, oh, the TV's broken. We got to wait and fix it. And you're like, all right, guys, come with me. We're doing this. You know, you just flip it on the switch and uh, try to just keep the class moving, try to keep everything kind of flowing as best you can because there's those circumstances. You don't want to just freeze and just be stuck and be like, oh, I can't do it. You know, we got to cancel. You know, no, we got to move on to the next thing. Yeah, so um, I agree 100%. There's... Oh, I mean, even when I interviewed for the clinic, one of the things I said is like, it's a fast paced environment and they gave me prompts where there was issues in the facility, you know, um, someone's motionless on the ground and like that kind of stuff, like life related things. And you got to be able to problem solve no matter the circumstances. So I think that's a, be a very big asset in the coaching realm. And when I wrote this article, I talked about problem solving. I said, the whole entire schematic view of coaching and sports performance is a problem solving environment. If you think about it, these kids are all approaching you because they aren't fast enough, aren't physical and strong enough, or aren't having the confidence needed to excel in their sport. And they're looking for us. So I talked about yesterday, Nick bear. I listened to the Nick bear podcast all the time. He's a, um, he used to be a army ranger. He owns a $40 million supplement brand called BPN Supps. And uh, he was talking about how his days are so busy with work, his, uh, his kid and his wife um, training for like Ironmans and marathons and stuff that when he knows what he has to do, he looks at it from a holistic perspective and he'll plan backwards. So he'll make his goal and plan backwards. I think that's what we do in the sports performance realm. And uh, I think that can apply to many different things in life. So like if someone comes to us and they're like, all right, I need to get, I don't even know, a couple hundreds off my 100-meter sprint in the next 12 weeks before my next meet. We're going to plan backwards with volume, intensity, all that kind of stuff, and so they peak properly for their meet. Additionally, I think um, problem-solving is huge in, our, in the community um, because we always are faced with having to adapt to our athletes. Um, they're sleep-deprived. They aren't eating enough. They have huge stressful weeks at school. They rolled their ankle. 
and they need to um, completely, you know, avoid lower body exercises um, and do more of a, like mobility or prehab rehab approach. Um, additionally, you know, um, people are in sports seasons. They had four practices this week and they come to us and they're exhausted. You know, we're not going to up the volume or keep the same volume. We're going to have to lower it so that they don't fry their central nervous system. So um, I think, you know, in the sports performance realm, there's a lot of problem solving involved. So um, going into the last pillar of coaching, the relationship one, I think this is the most important um, and the most, I guess, overarching theme you can apply to anyone in your life. Um, I learned a lot about building relationships, um, not only with clients, but just with like anybody that comes in the facility because you want them to be there for the environment and the sole purpose that they know they're going to get better. Like we want to produce results. We want to produce, you know, positive results. But the thing that keeps these kids coming back day in and day out for years and families coming back for years is that they know that they feel more confident in our facility that they know when they step in a session, let's say with like Jacob or I, that they're going to, you know, be pushed to their limits and that they're going to, you know, adapt and overcome anything um, and develop the proper stimuli to, you know, get better in the sports performance industry. And then lastly, I just think that um, we are here for these kids, but beyond just like lifting weights and getting faster and stronger, um, building relationships with them will have them trust us. And that will go way beyond, you know, just getting a couple pounds more on their bench. It's, a lot of times these kids come to us with like issues we never would have thought and you just got to kind of be there for them. So, I mean, relationships are like what drives everything in life. If you think about it, um, most of the jobs nowadays that my friends have gotten, or even some of the connections I've gotten are just from knowing people and you never know what impact you'll have. If you train a kid, you never know who their parent is or who their parent knows. You always got to put a hundred percent effort in anything you do. And, uh, build those relationships because you never know where I'll take you or not what you know, what, you know. Yeah. Or what it means to the kids. So, yeah. yeah. So you can kind of touch on relationships real quick and what's meant to you in this industry. So. Yeah, for sure. Like it's really, sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know, building those connections. Oh, I know this guy. And they, they, some people stick up for you. Oh, I know this guy. He, you know, I'm confident he knows what he's knowing. And then people, you know, the word gets around and if people, you know, talk well about you and speak well on your behalf, then, that puts them in a more comfortable position to lean towards your business and stuff. And that's just kind of from a business, you know, perspective. Um, but even coaching itself goes way beyond just like sport before, like we're like sport performance specific, you know, it goes way beyond that. Say you don't want to do this forever. Like I know I want to do PT one day and coming in with my patients that have problems and stuff and talking to them and speaking to them and learning how to speak very well and clearly. So they understand what's expected of them, what's wrong with them and, you know, figuring all that all that can kind of stem from coaching like mm. now for sport performance and stuff. It kind of helps with that public speaking and it helps honestly get rid of some of that, like very awkward, like interactions you have with people. Cause I'm guilty of having those kind of things. Like I remember I had a, like about I don't know, eight to ten, eight to 12 four year olds looking at me and I said, let's do like jumping jacks. And they didn't even know what a jumping jack was. I'm like, all right. Uh, pencil starfish and then they kind of started getting it but like it's just like little things like that but like it's like the way you talk and communicate carries over to more lifelong like application than it is just inside the facility that perform i got like 440 mm -hmm. 